0: Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Everybody doing good? Hey, I'm excited uh, that you guys are here. I'm excited for today. Hey, today is T-shirt Sunday. Everybody is getting a free T-shirt. We got options back there. We got red, blue, black. Uh, if you didn't grab one on the way in and you would like one, you raise your hand. I got a few people that will hook you up with a shirt. Anybody, anybody, anybody? All right, hey, um, I actually got an extra shirt. So if you want two shirts and you are a, an XL, all right, gentlemen. Who's the exile wants another shirt? This is an old shirt, all right? All right, I got, th- hey, this is the second shirt we ever did. It's a nice pink ladies refuge shirt, all right? If you want this, this is like the thunder game. You got to go buck wild. Now, hey, who, who wants this? It, I see one back there. And man, my dad caught it, so there we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. But hey, uh, we want everybody to get one. Uh, we got shirts for the kids, too, so I think everybody got one. Hey, uh, we want to make sure you get one for you and for everybody in your family The this shirt. Hey, there's no uh, financial cost to you, but it does come with a price. As they say, nothing in life is free. If you got a shirt, you got to do two things with it. Uh, the first thing is I want you to wear that sucker as much as possible between now and Easter, all right? Easter is uh, two weeks away. It's on April 9th. Uh, and then the second thing you gotta do, you gotta wear as much as possible, and then when anyone comments on your shirt, uh, you gotta invite them to Easter at Refuge. There is actually an invite card, a little business card for Easter at Refuge uh, in your seat. So every time you wear that, anybody says anything about it, slip them an invite card for Easter, uh, and make sure, I just wanna let you guys know, that's the fine print for the free shirt you received, you feel me? There's the asterisk by, by the free. All right, just invite people to church, uh, wear that shirt as much as you can, Uh, And then make sure to pass that along to your kids too because here's the truth. Uh, We want those kids to go be little missionaries at their schools, right? Inviting friends to church so that people's lives can be changed. Uh, I'm excited to see how God is going to to bless the conversations that are had uh, because of your faithfulness to simply wear a shirt. We cannot do the supernatural on on our own. We can't do it. But we can do the natural things. And when we do the natural thing, like wearing a shirt and inviting somebody, we can trust God to do the supernatural. What if... Just just bear with me. What if uh, you wearing a T-shirt made someone come to church? Uh, What if uh, they made the decision to follow Jesus and their lives were changed forever? Because you wore a shirt. That is a pretty low risk threshold and a pretty high reward threshold. Do you feel me on that? So, uh, It might seem simple. It might seem small to wear a shirt but it has tremendous potential because God is in that. God could change someone's life just by you simply wearing a shirt. So hey, uh, if you didn't get a shirt, make sure to get one on your way out. Uh, But hey, today we are in part three of our shoes series. Changing our views uh, by trying on shoes. Uh, Help me out with this. They say you can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in there You can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. And what's cool about shoes is that different shoes kind of remind you of different types of people. You see work boots, you might think like hard manual labor. You see stilettos, you might think cocktail party. You see all-black tennis shoes, I think referee. Uh, Different shoes are associated with different things. And today we're going to look at someone who feels stuck. Have you ever felt stuck in a situation, felt like you couldn't escape That no matter how much you wanted things to change, you were just gonna get more of the same. If that's you, I think you're definitely gonna resonate with the shoes uh, that we are gonna wear today. Uh, Okay, the shoes that we're not gonna wear today. All right, we got a mat today, no shoes. I'm gonna go barefoot. I was gonna go sockless but my wife said nobody needs to see my hairy toes so I had to, had to get away with that, right? we right? We're gonna go with a mat. So instead of shoes, uh, we're gonna walk on this mat today. Uh, we're not gonna walk in this person's shoes because uh, he didn't walk. It actually says that he sat on his mat. I might need this up here every week. This feels really good on my toes, actually. It feels really good. Hey, but we're not gonna walk in his shoes because he sat on the mat. And as we put ourselves into this situation, it's easy to see how you could feel hopeless. Uh, Like there is nothing that could change this man's uh, situation. This man was was paralyzed. He was discouraged for so long that it's not just discouragement. It's actually full on hopelessness. He has no hope. He is feeling stuck. I don't know if you've ever had those days where it feels like you're stuck, you're discouraged. Nothing is going your way. Uh, Maybe that's how you came in today. You came in uh, worn down, tired, hopeless. Uh, This story, this story is for you. Uh, It's a reminder that as hopeless as any situation might seem, when you have Jesus, you have all the hope you need. When you got Jesus, you have all the hope you need. Uh, Recently, I saw a a lost dog poster. It's got a picture of the dog, and it looks nasty, like covered in fleas, ticks, mangy, Uh, and then it has a description, you know, uh, it says this dog is blind in both eyes, uh, basically deaf, recently neutered, uh, and then it finishes by saying he answers to the name Lucky. I didn't really see that poster. That was a joke, right? Uh, but, but that dog was called Lucky. He was called Lucky. He's going through it, but well, he's called Lucky. Uh, Church, you may have walked in feeling a little beat up, but remember what God calls you He calls you his. Uh, God looks at you and he sees his daughter. Uh, God looks at you and he sees his son, and nothing could ever change that. So I want you to remember that, okay? Uh, Before we get into the word, uh, let's just take a moment uh, and pray. God, as as we open your word today, would you speak to us in a clear and powerful way? Help us to never lose hope to lose hope in your son, to lose hope in the gospel. Hope that there is more than just this here on the earth, that there is a real place called heaven and that because of the cross, we have a way to be there with you. Thank you for that hope. Would you fill us with that hope today as we get into your word? ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're gonna be in John 5. We're gonna see Jesus going back into Jerusalem. And Jesus, he's walking by this pool uh, and it's called the pool of Bethesda and this pool has five covered porches and here in John 5 verse 3 it says this about it, it says crowds of sick people blind lame or paralyzed lay on the porches if you've never heard of this pool of Bethesda uh, before you're probably thinking why is there this crowd of sick people hanging out by this pool uh, it doesn't seem like you think, you don't see a crowd of sick, lame, uh, blind, lame, paralyzed people hanging out by whitewater pools, right? That's not, that's not what you're thinking here. This pool is special. It says that every once in a while, an angel would come, uh, and it would stir the waters of this pool, the pool of Bethesda, and whoever got in this pool first would be healed. So why are there crowds of sick? They are all sitting there waiting for their miracle. They're waiting for the waters to be stirred so that they could be put into the water and they could come out and they would be healed. Now, to us, this sounds a little weird, right? This sounds a little wild, but I, I want you to think about it from their perspective. Imagine you have a sickness. Uh, modern medicine's not really a thing back then. Uh, you have a sickness, you can't get rid of it, and seemingly your only hope, the only way that you're gonna be at, to get better is to be the first one into that water and if if you can be the first one into the water you will be healed your sickness will be gone i want you to just imagine how desperate you'd have to be to just sit there and wait to wait for an undetermined amount of time and then uh, you see the water starting to be stirred and you have to race the crowd of sick people around you to be the first one into the pool it says there were five covered porches Uh, There's five because they needed more because there were so many people they wouldn't just fit under one, they needed five. There's some competition to get into the water. There are a lot of desperate people sitting there waiting for their miracle. And you might look at this crowd of of sick people at their present state and be thinking, man, this is a crowd, what a crowd. These people are crazy for sitting here and waiting. They're not crazy, they're desperate. They are holding on to just the slightest chance that maybe, maybe this could heal me. Maybe it could heal me. I recently heard someone say that every time you meet someone, you are meeting them on a specific page in the book of their life, right? Like, let's just say every, everybody's life is 200 pages. You're meeting them on a specific page. Or you might be seeing someone at page 75. And your interactions with them at page 75, you might think, this person is a jerk, have you ever had a, a quick interaction with somebody and be like, they're a jerk, be real, you've thought that about somebody, all right? All you people not raising your hands, you're lying, okay? You've had some interactions, you're like, eh, I don't know about that guy, okay? Uh, if you have an interaction with them on page 75 and you think, uh, th- and they're just kind, all right? you might think, man, this is a really sweet, gentle person. If you have an interaction you think they are short and irritated, you probably think this person is stressed out and rude, like, I don't know about this person. But when you meet a new person, you only see the page that they're currently on. On. You meet them on page 75, but you don't know what happened on pages 22, 34, 50. Right? You only know what's happening in front of you right now. You don't know what they've experienced up to this point. You don't know the home they grew up in. You don't know potentially the trauma that they've had to uh, experience. You're just seeing what's currently right in front of you. Uh, take, take me, for example. If we just met today, and I, from the pulpit, say something that you find to be absolutely deplorable, uh, you would not think very highly of me. But if you knew this kid, if you knew that kid, you might be a little more inclined to give me some grace in this present moment. Why? Because if you were there at page like five, or whatever page that would be, uh, it gives you a little more insight than page 75. There are people all around that, uh, if you're honest, you're seeing them and their current self and you're thinking about them and you're thinking, what is wrong with them? What are they doing? Why are they like this? What's their issue? maybe it's because of a chapter they just came out of. Maybe they just lost one. Maybe they are down in the dumps. Maybe they just lost their job. It could be any number of things. But because we don't know their whole story, we are quick to judge. We don't see this. Because we don't see This, uh, for the man that we're looking at, John, he gives us some insight into the person we're gonna look at today so we can know more about his story. So we don't just have page 75, but we get a backlog of what he's been. So in John 5, 5, it says this. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years this man has been sick. That's longer than my life, okay? He has been sick sick. For 38 years, he has not been able to walk. It doesn't tell us exactly. We don't know if this was something he's had from birth, and he's like 38 years old, or possibly an injury that he sustained while, like he used to be able to walk, but now he can't. All we know is for 38 years, he's been paralyzed. He has not been able to walk, and he is waiting at this pool. Put yourself onto his mat for a second. Imagine that first time you got there. You're under the porch, you're at the pool of Bethesda, Think about how excited he would be when he saw the waters being stirred. How hopeful you'd be when you see the waters start to move. And time and time again, you see others beat you there. You see others being healed. You see others get what you wanted. For 38 years, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And what started off as full of hope when he first gets there is now hopelessness. He's uh, simply there to beg for survival. Uh, And what seems like a hopeless situation changes when Jesus shows up. And hear me on this, when Jesus shows up into your life, you don't need to live a life without hope because hope has arrived. So there's this man who's sitting here on his map, 38 years of disappointment, 38 years of not being able to move. And when Jesus sees this man, he asks him a question. Would you like to get well? 38 years, hasn't moved. Jesus asked a paralyzed man, would you like to get, well, it seems like a no-brainer of a question. Like, yes, I would like to get, get well. That's a silly question, Jesus. But here's what the paralyzed man says. Verse seven, he says, I can't, sir. 38 years, I can't. There's a, an African parable that talks about how uh, they would train elephants in Africa. And they would take these huge elephants, and what they would do is they would tie them up to these giant trees that, you know, those big ones you see in Africa, like you think about the Lion King. They'd use big ropes and sometimes change, and they'd secure elephants to a tree, and when they first did that, the elephants would, would fight. They would pull. They'd do everything they could to be free, all right, to be, uh, get away from it, to be able to have some freedom. But eventually, depending on the elephant, they would, they would get broken. They would give up all hope. They'd realize, I can't get away from this tree. There's no way I'm going to be able to break this. And once that elephant is broken and lost all hope of breaking free, they could, that same trainer could tie that elephant to a twig of a tree, A tree that honestly that elephant could uproot and pull out of the ground. But because it's lost all hope, it won't even try to be free. No hope. That's where this man is. He has lost all hope. And even though hope is right in front of him, he's looking at Jesus in the eyes. He tells him, I can't, sir. I can't. And he goes on to say, why? He says, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I don't know if he caught that. Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you want to get well? And he says, I can't. I can't get into the water. Uh, Jesus didn't ask him if he was able to make it, and if he could make it into the water. What he asked him, he said, do you want to get well? This man is so hopeless, so broken, He's standing with Jesus right in front of him, and Jesus is asking him, do you want to be well? And he looks at Jesus in the eyes and says, I can't. He is so focused on getting into the water. It's an impossible task for him to do alone. This man, he he doesn't lack a desire to be well. He thinks he lacks the means to be well, but he's missed the question entirely. He's so hopeless that someone in front of him is asking, do you want to be well? And he says, I can't, I can't get well. Where in your life, where in your life do you feel like there's no way things could change? I think a way to kind of get to this is when someone asks about this thing, whatever it is for you, your response is, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Those are the areas where all hope is gone. Don't lose hope. Some of you, you came in today and you are feeling hopeless about your children. They've wandered from the faith and it seems like it'll take a miracle for them to restore their walk with God. You're hopeless about it. I don't think they're ever gonna come back. That's how you feel right now. Some of you are hopeless about family members breaking free from addiction and turning to Jesus. Uh, some of you guys, you're, you're hope, you feel hopeless about your career. You started a path that you thought maybe I would love this, and now I hate work, but it's too late to start over. It just, it's hopeless. Some of you are hopeless about cancer. Someone you love has gotten a diagnosis, and it has wrecked your faith. Some of you might feel hopeless about your, your mental health. You, you feel that you'll never get relief from anxiety and depression that you experience. Some of you, maybe you walked in, and you're feeling hopeless about your marriage, I don't know if God's going to be able to fix this. Like, if you were honest, the only reason you're here is because you're desperate. And whatever area it is for you, you just feel hopeless. Like, There's no way this could change. I just want to say, I'm, I'm so sorry for the pain that you're experiencing. I, I by, by no means don't want to minimize what you are going through because all those are real and they can hurt like hell. Like, don't lose hope. God is good. Maybe, maybe you're feeling like uh, you're at rock bottom. Uh, there's a, a pastor, Tony Evans, and he says this. Ooh, I thought I was gonna hit my head on the mat, I hit it on the, the tile. There's a pastor that says, he says, well, maybe you feel like you're at rock bottom, and sometimes, sometimes God will use rock bottom to get your eyes on Jesus because there's nowhere else you can look but up. Sometimes he'll use the rock, the rock bottom, to make you look to the rock of ages, that your eyes are on Jesus. And this paralyzed man, he looks Jesus into the eyes, and he is stuck in his hopelessness. He says, I can't be well. And when Jesus hears this man and the hopelessness he feels, he, he doesn't tell him to have hope, he just tells him to stand up. Verse eight, it says this. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? He's like, I can't do it. And then Jesus just tells him, just stand up, just do it. Stand up, pick up, and walk. In verse 9, it says this. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. This man was so hopeless. He's looking at Jesus, and he said, I can't be well. He went from, that. I, there's no way I could do this. I can't be well. There's nobody to get me into the water. I can't do it. He goes from that to walking. And, and I'm sure leaping and dancing for joy. I want you to think about it. 38 years of dance moves saved up. He's got to bust a move. There's actually a passage in Isaiah that talks about the signs of the Messiah to come. One of the signs is that it says, the lame will leap like deer. Jesus isn't only uh, healing a man. He's also fulfilling signs to show he is the Messiah. That Jesus is there long expected hope? That when Jesus is there, there is always hope. When Jesus is there, there is always hope. Always. This man was hopeless. He he didn't think it would ever happen. I mean he looked God in the eyes and said, I can't. God didn't try to, to reason with him. He just said, stand up. Be healed. When Jesus is there, there's always hope. If you keep reading uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they get mad at this lame man for walking with his mat because it's the Sabbath. Uh, there are some people that are so cold and tied to the rules of religion that Jesus could walk into the room with him and, and They'd complain. Jesus just healed a man. He just gave him back his legs. And they are mad because it's the Sabbath. Now hear me, I love rest as much as the next guy. You do need Sabbath to spend time enjoying God. Uh, But the Pharisees, they've taken this instruction of God and they've made it into a heavy burden. Something that was supposed to be a blessing, they've turned into a curse. takeaway for us is when Jesus moves in your life, focus on him. Don't focus on the naysayers. Don't focus on the people who are getting mad that God's moving. Uh, The Pharisees, they get mad and they start interrogating this man and say, Who told you you could carry your mat? And he's like, the one who healed me, he told me. Like Jesus gave me the ability to walk, I'm going to listen to him. Playing religion and trying to do the right things and and just do the perfect thing, uh, it's a hopeless game. Try to get there by keeping the checklist. But following Jesus changes everything. See, uh, Jesus was in was changing lives. While he was changing lives, the the leaders, the Pharisees, they were playing religion, and no no matter how much religious activity you're engaged in, if it's not in the life-changing business, it's not in the Jesus-changing business. Like, Jesus changes lives. He made the lame walk, he made the deaf, he made the sick well. but bigger than all of those physical things, Jesus brings the dead back to life. The Bible is clear that that we are dead in our sin. Each and every person is dead in their sin. Not not a physical death, all right, because you guys, your hearts are still beating, but it's talking about a spiritual death, that we are spiritually dead because of our sin. You want to talk about a hopeless place. We are dead in our sin. No way out on our own. But just like the paralyzed man, Jesus met us there and he gives us hope, he gives us life. When Jesus went to the cross, all of our sin was placed on him. He paid the debt that had to be paid, and because he died, we have life through him. When we have Christ, we have everything, everything. Uh, Whatever circumstances you're facing, when you have Christ, you have hope. Not only the hope of heaven and eternity with him, uh, but if he can take his death and turn it into something good for us, he can turn your problems around and use them for good, too. He can. If he can take the cross and make it a great thing for us, he can turn your problems around. There are going to be days where uh, it feels like nothing will go your way. I I get that. There will be days where it feels like nothing's going to go your way. Uh, Just to be completely real, I had one of those days this week. Just... A day that did not go the way I wanted it to go. For the most part, it was just the stuff of life. Like nothing unique to me, nothing unique to my life, nothing's going to alter my life. It was just stuff did not go the way I wanted, not go the way I wished for me and my family. Uh, And it's kind of a, a downer of a day. And I'm working on this message about hope or feeling hopeless. Um... And I'm I'm literally getting uh, doing message prep, and this text sneaks through, and um, everything else was on the, all all surface stuff, not big stuff, just kind of that buildup of stuff. I didn't didn't go my way. This text, and there's a, this kid that was in my kids ministry years ago, um, and he took his own life. I, I knew him as this I knew him as this little kid, and he, he's four, he was 14 year old and still just a kid, and uh, that hurt here and later in the day like that was a close the laptop leave the coffee shop moment like I'm not doing this anymore I need a I need a I need a break and uh, later in the day as I'm stewing on it. I'm trying to to just finish the message and it's just it's just sitting there with me and I'm trying to feel this and process this Uh, uh, this 14 year old kid felt hopeless like there was no way out and that, that breaks my heart. It does. But I don't want the enemy to discourage me from the message that we have in God's Word today. Because uh, somebody here needs to hear this, that even when you feel absolutely lost, even when you feel absolutely hopeless, God is there. That God is bigger than every challenge you'll ever face. I, I don't know uh, what chapter you're in in your life. I don't know what page you're on. You could be in the middle of an exhilarating story that is fun and exciting, or you could be in the middle of a chapter that has just beat you up. You might be sitting there thinking, why am I even trying to keep going? Let's just give up. You feel defeated, you feel hopeless. Maybe you started out hopeful, but the longer this season, this chapter goes on, it makes it feel like there's no escape from it. There's no escape from it. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that I think describes this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And your heart, it just feels sick because it's been trying for so long to hold on to hope. And it just feels like it's slipping away from, you, like it's slipping through your fingers. And if that's you, just hear me on this. You don't have to hold on to hope any longer. Quit trying to cling to hope. You're gritting your teeth, holding on to hope with all of your might. You don't have to hold on to hope any longer. You don't. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. You don't hold on to him. He holds you. Can I get an amen? You don't have to grit your teeth and hold on to hope. Hope is holding you. His name is Jesus. He's got you absolute worst case scenario for whatever you're going through. Whatever you're going through, the worst case scenario is Jesus looking at you and saying, we'll go through this together. I'm right here. The God who made heaven and earth is right here with you. He gets it. He gets us. It says this in, in Hebrews 4. This high priest, of all, high priest of ours understands our weakness for he faced all the same testings we do Yet he did not sin. Hope, Jesus, he gets us because he lived a life just like we did. He was tried the same way we are. And Jesus is right there with us. Whatever situation you're in, you've got hope because you've got Jesus. On on, on the flip side of that, if we don't have Jesus, we truly are hopeless. We are. I'm so thankful that we don't have to be, that Jesus wants to be with us. The Bible tells us that Jesus is knocking at the door. like He's knocking at the door of your heart. He is ready to start a relationship with you. But he won't force his way in. You can't force love. And Jesus, he... Loves you and he wants to walk through life with you. And when you start a relationship with Jesus, there's never any reason to feel hopeless. It might be a trying season, I get that. I don't want to minimize that at all. But God is with you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Maybe you're a Jesus follower and you've let the worries of the day take away your hope. You need to remember that Jesus is hope and He is for you. He is with you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it today. And today is the day you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. To let hope in. Let's pray.